Portions of this program may be pre recorded. All engines running, commit liftoff. Hey, good afternoon and welcome to SWAT Radio. It's Doug McCary of His Light Ministries. I'm so excited you're joining us today. It is Thursday, which is guest day, and we always try to get in uh, guests who are in the kingdom fight. They're influencers, people that can share their story, everybody from nationally known people to just your local everyday heroes. And so we are excited this week to have Steve Biondo and his wife. She will not be on the mic, but Steve is in the studio with his wife, Chris, and uh, so glad that you guys could join us today. Steve is the uh, president of the Tim Tebow Foundation, and he's got quite a story. So uh, I hope you'll join us today. And if you're in your car, get out, go to SWATradio.com, click stream live and uh, go ahead and, and stay tuned because there's a lot on this plate today that they're involved with. And if you know anything about Tim Tebow, he always has lots of irons in the fire, right? He does, lots uh, of irons. So, lots Steve, irons. welcome to uh, <laughs> SWAT you. Radio. Thanks, Doug. Great to be here, brother. Yeah, I'm uh, glad that uh, you are in and you brought your accountability partner there with you. Absolutely. And uh, thank you, Chris, for being here, too. Um, Steve, your background is fascinating to me. You didn't grow up in the Florida area. In fact, if you look, you got a little bit of a tan going on, but you're from up north, right? Yeah, from Michigan. So uh, God, you know, did a mighty thing to get us here. We have not regretted it. I promise you that. We called Michigan the promised land, mm-hmm. but we call this paradise and we love Jacksonville. Well, Jacksonville is a great place. Now, in your background, you did probably, from what I've heard, I've, I've done a little bit of research on you. Yeah. Uh, being an FBI agent, I always like to <laughs> uh, do a little background checking. And it turns out that you were a football player in I college? Was. I was, yeah. And what position did you play? I was a outside linebacker. So pure defense, little speed, little hard hitter. On the well, outside. you have to be a hard hitter yeah. to be a linebacker. Yeah. yeah, it was good. It was a good experience. Yeah, yeah. well, that's good. What are you, about a 4'6", I was 4'7", a little slower. I had my helmet on. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's all right. And so you were in football, yeah. going to school, and you wanted to be a pre-med guy. Yeah. You yeah. wanted to be a doctor. I did. I love pediatrics. I still love kids. Uh, my grandfather was a doctor, so I had this great legacy influence. And uh, so dug in, went hard after it. Actually, was an EMT as well. Uh, so working the uh, third shift, sleeping overnight, you know, riding ambulance, performing services along the highway. Now that now that alone right there has got a lot of stories. Yeah, in it, it's it? remarkable how you learn to think quickly not panic make decisive decisions that can make the difference between life and death it's a really great school to uh, hone uh, your skills of service and being a first responder well i mean when when my wife and i are driving down butler boulevard and we see these ambulances you know they're going it's like when you know i was in law enforcement you're never called to anything good it's not Mm -hmm. like people are calling you for a good thing they're always calling you because there's a great need yeah and it has to be, I'm sure there's there's a lot of trauma that you have to work through for people who are in that field for a long time, right? Yeah, yeah it is. I mean, you, you experience it. That was one of the things that kind of kept me from going into medicine. 
I deeply empathized with the people that were going through suffering. Mm. Um, and it just really crushes your spirit. I was just heavy. You know, if we were at a car accident, somebody was, they lost a life or they lost a limb or a child was injured. It is just a heavy, heavy weight. Um, so that was part of the, the influence. Actually, it was God moving me in a whole new direction was the ultimate thing. But, um, you know, it really taught me, and this is just kind of something for the listeners, how precious our first responders are. Mm-hmm. Men and women who willingly decide to go into chaos. Um, men and women who put their lives in the line for us, people they don't know. We can never disrespect any single one of them. And I know there's tension around our country, and there are pe- people who make mistakes or make bad decisions or are dark in each category of work, right? Well, they're, 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 listen, I tell people this all the time. It doesn't matter what career field you go into. There are going to be people who within those fields allow their selfishness and their own, mm-hmm. uh, you know, hurts to cause them to be hurtful people yeah. and make bad choices that end up costing. But uh, what we're seeing, the people, the vast majority of police officers, the vast majority of firemen, the vast majority of the EMTs, they don't go into those fields because of the pay. Not at all. They go in there as a calling and they want to serve. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this whole week we've been talking about servanthood yeah, they serve. in the church. And, you know, I, I have to ask you this question that I asked Taylor, the guy who's in here Monday through Wednesday with me, is – how many churches do you know where the senior pastor is known for servant leadership rather than preaching ability? And uh, I, I can't. It, isn't that? I mean, yeah, it, I mean that's a very me, honestly. There's, it, it's a stumping question yeah, for not us. Known for that, and yeah. it it shouldn't be uh-huh. because Jesus said, "If you want to be great." You serve, and in, in John chapter 13, before he died, the last picture he wanted his guys to have of him was to be a servant. And one of the reasons I wanted you in here today is as I I learned, I called you actually, I think, for something else, and then I began to do some, we talked about talking, you being yeah. on, but then as I researched you, I saw that you have a passion for servant leadership and and it's in this week it just kind of dovetailed really good with what we were doing and we didn't plan it except I asked you to come on here I'm not knowing it was a passion so why do you think that is why are churches in your uh, view why why do we struggle so much to let that be the most important thing for our leaders yeah I mean it's you know, the platform you know we come together on Sunday to be equipped right to be encouraged to uh-huh. be inspired um, and that role has such prestige. And I actually think it's a byproduct of how we, you know, the sheep in the chairs, um, influence our own pastors. And I think we really have to call our pastors um, um, to lead us in that way. So sharing God's word is powerful, and they're gifted at it. But actually modeling what the gospel looks like, bending the knee, you know, grabbing the towel, going and putting the interest of others ahead of your own, and then taking action on that is the best example of any pastor, any member of a local church can can espouse to really show what jesus was like and you're right the last two things he taught us last 12 hours serve and be united mm-hmm. and how hard are those two oh, things? it's i mean i i think that's probably been two of our biggest struggles within the american church and we we've been talking actually we've been talking about francis chan wrote a book called letters to the church mm-hmm. and he lays out how different we look here in america versus the biblical model yeah of what a church looks like. But that biblical model had unity and servanthood as the two driving forces of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, as just as I think about where God took you, 
He didn't use somebody hammering you with the word, although it's important to have the word. You mentioned a guy in another interview named Steve that had a huge impact on you. And (laughs) one of the things that struck me about what you said was he didn't just talk a talk. In fact, he modeled Mm -hmm. in every realm, right? They did. And he discipled you. Yeah. And it's an interesting story because Steve is a wonderful, Steve Killingham, my first supervisor. (laughs) He uh, was an African-American guy, just tons of integrity. Um, He loved Jesus and he was an excellent servant leader. And it was at that place in my life where I was, it was, I was forming my ideas on what leadership looked like. Mm -hmm. And so Steve was in a rough environment. Um, we're in the freezer, five degrees below zero. That wasn't was rough, but it's a, it was a it was a very influenced environment by uh, the unions, and so there was this, always this natural tension between the. You're in the grocery business, yeah, right? Yeah, the grocery business. So always this natural te- natural tension between the first line supervisor and the guys on the floor. But Steve, he just did, he just saw past that, and he cared for every one of us. Not only did he know us by name, but he really knew us. He knew our pasts. He got our stories. He knew what inspired us. He knew how to work with us. And he managed each of us as individuals. But he always was careful to go equip us every day with the things that we needed to be successful. Um, so great conversation, time with him, making sure we had the orders on time. But he just talked to us. Every The, the big thing that struck me was every day before the shift started, he would come in and he would make sure we had the equipment that we needed, so the essentials to do the job well. He wanted to know if there was anything bothering us physically, mentally, emotionally. You know, just how you guys feeling? Anything I need to know about before we start? He the cared show? about. He you. cared. You know, and this isn't a warehouse environment. Nobody did this. Nobody this isn't this. church. No, this no, isn't a church. grocery yeah, store. I know. And then, <laughs> as we each of us got our order, so we're going to go out and you know select groceries. He would hand us our order, and he would just say, "Hey, are you ready to go? Is everything okay? If you need me for anything, I'll be walking around the warehouse. Just call." So he. he cared for us physically, he cared for us emotionally and socially, and he cared for us almost spiritually and intellectually as well. And it just always just set the pattern for me. And he um, never told us what to do. He gave us the opportunity to empower ourselves. So, hey, do you think you can meet the goals tonight? Well, I don't know. I'm not feeling well. Okay, let's talk about that. So he took that moment to make sure we were set up for success and that we were driving our own performance, which was so radically different in the environment that we're at. So just a great example. And there's many, many more things. It was kind of that pattern of somebody who bent his knee, found out what we needed, and make, made sure that our needs were met. His interests were not the thing that was driving him. It was our interests. And the success of the team, of course, did make him look great as a supervisor, but that wasn't what drove him. But it, it sounds a lot to me like the master plan of evangelism yeah. where Jesus built into a few, yeah. made sure. He sent them out knowing that they were not perfect. Mm-hmm. But he wanted them to succeed, and when they came back, he would debrief them. Yeah. But he had to divest himself of some of the things that he did to empower them to do yeah. uh, what they needed to do to perpetuate yeah. And I think that's a hard thing for us in the church. Well, we got to go to our first break, Steve. When we come back, so you can be thinking about this, I want to hear how God kind of got your attention from being a Christian by name Mm. to being a Christian in relationship. Oh, yeah. All right. And I know FCA was involved, and we'll get you to share a little bit of that. Hey, you're listening to Steve Biondo. Steve is the president of the Tim Tebow Foundation. For more information about the Tim Tebow Foundation, you can go to timtebowfoundation.org. They have lots of things going on. They've got a devotional thing you can get on there. There's ministries they're involved in. They, they're they into human trafficking and helping 
combat that. Uh, they're working on a camp up in the Poconos. And when we're going to come back, we're going to get all into that with Steve Biondo on SWAT Radio. We'll be right back after this break. If you'd like to contact SWAT Radio, the toll-free number is 1-844-777-7928. That's 844-777-7928 or 844-777-SWAT. You can also listen to this program through the WTRJ The Truth app from the App Store or over the Internet by accessing www.swatradio.com. We'll be back shortly for further discussion and to take your calls. Highway to Eternity Ministries is a ministry dedicated to encouraging those who have lost hope and coming alongside those who cannot find peace and are considered unfit for inclusion in Christ's church. They use published works to teach God's Word and share encouraging testimonies of transformed lives. Highway to Eternity Ministries serves as a parachurch ministry that comes alongside churches to share its passion and commitment through spiritual writings, nuances, and experiences to everyone who has an interest in the teachings of Jesus Christ. For more information, contact Jeff Andrews at 904-436-5175. Welcome back to SWAT Radio. This is Doug McCary of His Light Ministries. That was Casting Crowns and Nobody. And what I love about that song is it, it just says, I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody about a somebody. And I think that's what Steve's about. And I know Tim's about that. And I appreciate that. You know, I have to say this because I know you've, I don't know, you've been working for Tim. Two and a half years. Two and a half years. You know, when I see what's going on in the professional sports realm, it's really upsetting to me because Tim Tebow exemplified a somebody who didn't think about himself but thought about other people as far as like, you know, with the foundation, the night to shine and all that stuff. And he was vilified for kneeling. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> he was vilified for those things. Yeah, taking a and, task for sure. And and it's really, I don't want to go on. Sorry, it's a rabbit trail. I don't want to go down. Yeah. Uh, hey, anything, you know, the neat thing about all of that, though, how God uses that. I mean, that was testing for. I think so. For Tim, it was clarifying for him that the mission mattered. Not if I was loved by everybody, but I was respected by most. And he just knew that it was about the mission, regardless of how I'm treated, regardless of whether I get accolades or not. The mission stays the mission. Love God. Love people. Put the interest of others ahead of my own. And Timmy just lives that out and consistently has lived that out for decades now. Well, I get to interact with some guys that played in the NFL for a while. And one of the things that we talk about a lot is whether you're in the military or law enforcement or whether you're in in pro sports or any sports, Mm -hmm. you played at a collegiate level. Mm -hmm. You know you get mission-driven when you're out on that field or you're you're in the military. You are mission-driven. And one of the frustrating parts for me when i left the fbi and got into ministry was i didn't feel as mission driven anymore Mm. and i almost felt like i was trying to be people to get the mission to be the thing that drives us always about the mission it is always now there are big missions you know god's put all of us on a mission all of us are to love god love people to put the interest of others ahead of our own to advance the gospel to press against evil to you know to not be overcome by evil but to you know, execute with good. You know, we all have this major mission and the circumstances don't matter. You know, COVID doesn't matter. Mission didn't change. You know, I could be healthy. I could be ill. It doesn't matter. The mission You can is be the same. rich. You can be poor. It doesn't matter. It doesn't the mission's matter. the same, but the cool thing, and then there's nested missions. And so there's all, you know, the mission with my wife, there's a mission today on this call. Sometimes the mission is just go have some fun and relax and take a vacation. But we just need to be thinking in order to live that mission driven life about what is important right now. Lou Holtz, great college football coach, you know, back a decade or so. And he had a, uh, a an acronym for his team, W-I-N, What's Important Now. He was teaching his young men, his athletes, to be missional, always. What's important now? Have fun now. Relax now. You know, go forward now. Educate yourself now. You know, be a great servant now. Execute the big mission, the mission God has you on now. And just to think like that on a daily basis, kind of decision by decision, experience by experience, is powerful. Yeah. And that's how we as believers need to live. Well, I I think for a lot of us, and we've talked about this a lot, Steve, is that we grow up in a country that we're not used to having an absolute monarch in our Mm -hmm. life. We grow up in a country where we tend to be the one in charge of our life, at least we think we are, and yet we call ourselves Christians, but we get up in the morning and we don't go, okay, God, today's yours. I want to do whatever you want to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, As we're going and God throws a curve into our schedule, instead of getting mad at the curve, we go, okay, God, what are you doing here? I mean, I think so often we say we love him and we say we want to serve him, but the reality is we get tricked and duped by the enemy into thinking our plan is better than God's plan mm-hmm. or our mission is better than his. Yeah. And sometimes he changes missions midstream. We think we're going here and he goes, nope, I want you over here. I was just taking you to this point. And I was thinking about your story specifically, but I want to go back because I, I, I teased with this. You were in high school as a professing Christian, yeah. but you said you weren't really in relationship. Talk yeah. to us a little bit about yeah, what so happened there. Grew up in the church, you know, went to church every week, <clears throat> followed the rules, believed in a, a God, believed in Jesus, believed in a resurrected Jesus, believed in a virgin birth, believed in all these elements but they were never, it was never a relationship. It was one day through Fellowship of Christian Athletes, I was at a conference, and the 
the teaching was on the other guy at the crucifixion. So the guy on Jesus' left who admitted that Jesus knew that he knew that you are king, admitted he was a sinner, that he deserved to be on this cross. And that simple request, Lord, today remember me when you come into your kingdom. So he admitted he was a sinner. He believed in Jesus and he confessed his own inadequacy and need for a savior in a moment. And Jesus made that promise. And I went, wait a minute. He entered into a relationship with Jesus and he did nothing. It was simply an act of faith. And I didn't have it. I didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I had a good religious background and all of the requirements I was meeting, you know, but no relationship. And so at the age of 17, that summer, that night, I gave my life to Jesus Christ and everything changed. It actually changed the trajectory of my life as it should and it would. Yeah. But, you know, I was going into college to be pre-med, you know, and I did pursue that. But as I began to go through that course of study, I was getting into deep apologetic debates with professors and other students. And you can imagine in a, in a, in a college environment. And I wasn't doing real good at defending the faith. I didn't have a deep knowledge. I had no background. And so at the kind of like my junior year, I knew that I was going to have to stop things and I'm going to have to go and give a reason, be able to give a reason for the hope that I have in Jesus Christ. So I, I after graduate, uh, undergraduate school, went to graduate school, went to seminary um, and studied for three years, you know, Bible and administration and education. So the whole trajectory of my life changed because I knew that the life that I was going to live had to be based on this deep relationship with Jesus Christ and the ability to communicate the beauty of his love for us, his complete salvation and our, uh, and, and our relationship with him, and what he calls us to. And then after seminary, you became a pastor, right? And <laughs> led a big church. And, yeah, right. Yeah. I don't think so. <laughs> no. 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 You, you, you ran stores that my daughters love, Gap oh, and, yeah. and uh, yeah, yeah. Old Navy. Yeah, yeah. Like, how did that happen? <laughs> so good. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, God's good. You know, he ordains our steps. And uh, so, you know, Chris and I got married and I was in grad school going to seminary. Loved it. Having a great experience. But I also was working for... Spartan Nash at the time, so like a public warehouse. Well, now was was Chris a believer too? She gave her life to Christ at about the same time, her junior year in high school, through the Billy Graham movie Time to Run. All right, yeah, yeah. And it was these were daunting days. I mean, we were, you know, in a in a system that our parent Chris's parents weren't particularly happy with her at all. Uh-huh. Uh, and I actually asked her in a moment to leave the house, like you, you because she did that because and she made gave that her life decision. To Christ. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and they recanted quickly. Yeah, and and but you know we not a lot of our families now. All my family and a lot of Chris's family have now given their life to Christ, and it's been her parents. You know, later in life, both gave their life to Jesus. So he's so good. But uh, yeah, so yeah, so she she gave her life to Christ at about the same time, and we were dating. We were high school sweethearts, and so we've enjoyed a long relationship together, and a lot of the spiritual journey we've been in the same you know caboose together. We just. Go to chug, chug, chug toward Jesus and, and uh, spreading the good news through our lives and how we serve. So I'm in the I'm working in the warehouse, just selecting groceries. Um, and Chris and I are now married. And um, the the team there recognizes that I've got a special characteristic of leadership and serving. serving. And so they asked me to move into the business side. So move from being a warehouse guy and, hey, would you like to lead a team? Would you like to be a supervisor? So they promoted me into supervision and the organization really began to invest in me. Uh, they started me on a whole nother track, studying, studying uh, HR, um, employment law, studying organization development, studying strategic planning, studying leadership. Uh, this organization was amazing and they just invested in me and I kept growing with them. And I, so we just began to build the business track um, rather than pursue anything else. So finished graduate school, but used what I was studying, education and administration and leadership 
um, in a business setting rather than a medical setting. And it was fantastic. So I spent 18 years uh, at that organization, and God gave me just great favor, moved from line level all the way up to a, an executive vice president uh, over HR. Uh, in that company? In that company. And yeah. that company was associated with the Gap and Old No, then the, then the Gap was next. So okay. Spartan Nash was first. That was 18 years. And then I wanted international experience and a big company experience beyond you know this uh, this uh, grocery organization. And so I joined the, Jet, the Gap and uh, was there for five years. And that's when we got up and moved. And God used that experience to teach us that moving's okay. You know, if you want to grow, you got to get outside your comfort zone. And uh, we were actually reading a boat, a book called "If You Want to Get Out of." Uh, let me see. If you want to get out uh, of the boat, yeah, if you want to walk on water, you got to get out of the boat. boat yeah. yeah, and uh, it just gave us great encouragement to move, leave family, and get up and start again. So that was what took us to the gap. And we spent five years with our hair on fire, traveling all over the world. Uh, the, 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 I was leading the HR side of the logistics division. And uh, we had 145 HR professionals just in my organization. We had 33,000 employees that we were serving around the globe. And it was just a dynamic, fast-paced environment. And as you're doing this, meanwhile, you're still growing in your in faith, faith, Yeah, right? And Gap was the place where I, the mission, I learned that the mission never changed. Because it's a very secular organization. Not in a bad way, just a very secular organization. Well, they're not motivated by biblical principles. At all, at all, They're right? motivated by money, right? Right, right. But we, I have to tell you, my daughter just got a job, yeah. and she went for a job interview, and the person goes, okay, the primary mission is to make, and I'm not going to say the owner's name, yeah. but make the owner money. That's the mission. <laughs> and you get yeah. that, right? Make because, the stockholders money. That's all yeah, right. That's what that's this what about. was. And, yeah. and I understood that. But I was learning at that time that no matter the circumstance, no matter where you work, every day, every opportunity, every relationship is an opportunity to be Christ-exalting. So how in this circumstance can no. I be Christ-exalting? That, that was the powerful teaching of those five years with the gap. And, and so when we come back, we're going to go from the gap to the Tim Tebow Foundation. You're listening to Steve Biondo. And if you want more information about the Tim Tebow Foundation, go to timtebowfoundation.org. And there is lots of information on that website. You can donate. You can volunteer. They do Night to Shine. They do have a camp up in the Poconos they're working on. They do a lot uh, to combat human trafficking. And we're going to talk about that when we come back after the news. And I'm glad you're listening today on SWAT Radio. You can contact us at Facebook at SWAT Radio Talk, Twitter at SWAT Radio Talk. And you can also listen to any past program on www.swatradio.com. And if you have a question for Steve or about the Tim Tebow Foundation, you can email at ask at swatradio.com. I'll be happy to ask him, and we'll be right back after the news. There is good news for the captive, good news for the shame. There is good news for the world who walks away. There is good news for the doubter, the one religion failed. For the good Lord has come to see and save. He's on the
Hey, welcome back to SWAT Radio with Doug McCary of His Light Ministries. Today, my guest is Steve Biondo of the Tim Tebow Foundation. He's the president, uh, formerly uh, worked with the Gap, Old Navy, Family Christian Stores, which yeah. I loved. I was so bummed. Love those guys. When uh, they went out uh, of business, me, it really bothered me, Me Steve. too. I was right in the middle of that. Me too. That was a hard thing. It was a, we had 4,000 employees, and they were the best. They were. They were uh, great. They had a location right here over off yeah. San Jose Boulevard, mm-hmm. and I loved going to that yeah. store, man. There was 4,000 people completely aligned, all on mission, help people find, grow, share, and celebrate their faith in Jesus Christ. Loved every one of them. And they all handled the, the, the liquidation with such grace. We knew we had surrendered it. All of us surrendered our careers to the Lord. We talked about it. And we knew that this was a movement of God. He's sovereign. He's good. He knows. He cares. We can trust him. Even though it's a bad circumstance, we can celebrate what he's doing. So we just simple celebrated. I was there 15 years. We were, we, we were world changers. We were doing ministry in 21 countries. We were impacting orphans and widows and kids who were trafficked, 1.5 million of them a year. We were sending out 100 to 140 mission trips, mission teams every year around the country. And so we were, it, when you were at Family Christian, yeah, yeah, we don't see pro- nobody even heard about. I, I never even knew that stuff. <laughs> How do I not know? That, that was on the inside. So we had Family Christian the retail, but then we had our own foundation called the James Fund. Yeah, inside. I did hear. Yeah, yeah, so yeah about it was the James. James Fund. So it was just God was so good, and so we all cried together, but we rejoiced for the fact that we had this amazing season that God gave us. And then we liquidated in 2017, unfortunately, and it was great. Owners, um, they just they just saw what was being done on the internet. Our customers didn't go anywhere. They just spent a lot less every time they came to the store. So when I joined in 2003, 2004, average transaction was like $80 a basket. By the time we were at the end there, it was like 1750. And so, and it was the same amount of customers, but they were just spending more online than they were in the well, brick and, and I was going to ask you, I, I, I want to go off topic just for a second, because you've been with the gap, old Navy family, yeah. Christian, uh, what do you see from, mm. from a perspective of a guy who's been in that realm? Yeah. Because you hear everybody talking about how Amazon is killing everybody. COVID has driven a lot of people oh, yeah. Yeah. to online stuff. Yeah. What do you see? I mean, Lifeway went out. I mean, right. there, there's no right. Lifeway stores. I'm so bummed. You can't even go buy stuff locally. No. You have to order it now. Online. Everything's online. Yeah. It's a, it's a powerful dynamic, and it's, 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 it's good. You know, it's a smart supply chain operator, Amazon and others, but, you know, they, they they saw that if they could dominate the entire movement space, logistics space, put warehouses every two to 300 miles, that they could literally get almost any product to anybody within 24 hours. Convenience, convenience. And then they lost money for a long time. They didn't make money until a couple of years ago. And so they just sucked it up and they made this efficient, powerful supply chain work really really well now now we got amazon prime we got everybody driving their business through amazon and they're really profitable and they're buying up other businesses and other enterprises um it's left and right left well and you right. know it's like yesterday my wife and i were, we went to uh to a hardware store home depot and went to another store trying to find something we couldn't find it i go on amazon I get it the next day. <laughs> Literally the next day. I yeah. ordered it at six o'clock at night. The next day it was at my doorstep. There's and it wasn't not, it, it was like a hard to find item. I mean, it was just like bizarre. I'm like, she said you can get it tomorrow. So you're right. They're They've done that. They're smart. They're smart. And it's good. I mean, it's changing the economy. It's creating different kind of jobs. But we as consumers make decisions based upon what serves us best. Right. 
and they serve us best. And so things change and well, we, we adapt. We, well, we've talked about that even with the church, that the one struggle I have, and I'm, I'm sure you see it too, is we're so consumer-oriented that we bring that to ministry or to the church. Yeah. And I don't see, I don't see uh, Jesus going for that in the New Testament. No, it's the wood, hay, stubble. We put way too much focus on wood, hay, stubble, stuff of earth. And he's asking us gold, silver, precious stone. His word, the gospel, and precious lives who enjoy Jesus as their Savior through faith. That's where he wants us to put the emphasis and to live around eternal things. You know, going after the orphan, going after the widow, going after those who can't fight for themselves, going into the ghetto, going into the chaos, going into the hard places, and building relationships for the sake of the gospel. Literally bending our knees, serving differently for the sake of those precious lives. They're all image bearers. And we just need to go after them. Not the stuff. It's not the stuff. that's that. And we know that. There's what? How much do you need? You know, well, one more dollar is the answer. But when you're going after life, when you're going after precious souls, when you're going after image bearers, he, Jesus, he, his promises are amazing. Isaiah 58.10 says this, and I love this verse. When you set the desires of the afflicted free, when you set the desires of the afflicted free, your light will shine before men. And they'll be, you will be called repairer of the broken walls and rebuilder of the streets. And I will strengthen your bones. He gives us strength. He renews our spirit. When we have people serving at night to shine, the, from the guests, you know, we, we, we get great, great, great feedback from the guests. You know who's blown away? The volunteers. You know what the volunteers tell us? This changed me. I've never seen anything that smells more like Jesus. I am revived. I am transformed. Transformed. Well, guess what? You're setting the desires of the, the afflicted free, and he is giving you that transformation inside your spirit. He's strengthening our bones. Mm-hmm. And so this whole kingdom ethic, working out the gospel by serving and going after those who can't help themselves, but being Jesus, defending them, executing justice on their behalf, making them a home, showing them great love, bending your knee, putting their interest ahead of your own, strengthens our bones. We're transformed, and eternity's changed. Well, you know, I, this is so good because my wife and I told you we went to Israel with Ray Vanderlaan. <laughs> and it was transformative for us, even though we've been followers of Jesus for a long time, I never realized that the mission God gave his people in Exodus 19 yeah. is the same mission Peter reiterated in 1 Peter 2 9. It says, You are a kingdom of priests. Yes. You are to be a holy nation set mm. apart. Mm. To put him on display to the people around the world. So wherever you go, you are to be a priest putting God on display. That's what a priest did. He was the go-between between people and God. Mm -hmm. He was the one that showed people what God looked like. Nobody did that better than Jesus, right? Nobody put him on God on display better. What God looked like in human form. So when you guys attack human trafficking... Mm When you go in, you love Down syndrome kids. I got to be careful. I'm going to get emotional because I, I know because I, I think about my own daughters. You mm-hmm. know, my oldest daughter with Down syndrome sat for two years in a Chinese orphanage that they didn't feed her mm-hmm. simply because she had an extra chromosome, and they would they would have been content to let her die. Yeah. But for the love of God through a missionary over there <laughs> who said, I want your sickest children 
Give me the sickest, and I want to care for them. And she took Abby into her home and cared for that sweet girl. Mm. And now she goes to North Florida School here. She went tonight to Shine last year for the first time, and it was beautiful. And the people that were with her said, she's amazing. But do you know that when we first got Abby, she couldn't go even into an environment. Like Mm. we took her to a play, and she couldn't She use the bathroom on herself because she was so overwhelmed with it yeah, yeah and now that girl is communicating and she's she's growing and mm. and she's an image bearer she's an image bearer and um, and, and, and and so i love I what you that. do night to shine night yeah. to shine you guys have <laughs> how, last year how many volunteers did you have last we had two hundred and fifteen thousand volunteers we were in 34 countries we had 115 to 120 thousand special guests in every state in the united states it's just God's favor. It's just what he promised. Honestly, it's what he promised. If you set the desires of the afflicted free, yeah. your light will shine before men, night to shine. Mm-hmm. And you know, we're seeing churches embrace this. And it's, it's so needed in the church. You, you know some of these statistics, I'm sure. But special needs, that community of people with special needs, and it's vast, but it's both intellectual and physical. It's over 1 billion people. It's 15% of the global population. And it's the most forgotten and the most underserved, even oh. in the United States. Churches aren't prepared to welcome the families. They aren't prepared to support them. They aren't, to, they aren't prepared to help them with some of the technical and the clinical things that the families need to know so that they can raise these children holistically and well. And we are just seeing a movement and a shift now as churches begin to take on Night to Shine. They're actually moving to the next phase, which is what we call Shine On, mm-hmm. where churches are developing full-time ministries to families, to support families, and welcome families with special needs, children, into their church every, any day of the week. Well, and, well, I want to tell you, too, and just to echo what you're saying, even churches that have programs for special needs, a lot of times shuffle them off to a room, don't. And, and they don't teach their own people mm. to, to welcome guess, them. Welcome it, them. It's so hard because... Because there's so many parents out there that want to be part of a church community, but they don't feel welcome with these children. They feel like their kids are a distraction. And instead, I just can't see Jesus no. turning these kids away. No. I think he would have said, these are my father's kids. Put them right up front. Yeah. Put them right up front and let them make noise and welcome them. Learn They're from them how uninhibited they are in their worship. They're man. so full of joy. They're pure heart. I mean, I love your heart. Yes. I mean, you guys are frontline warriors, and we just are so behind what you're doing. You inspire us. But we got to do better in the space of serving families who have special needs. The church, this is about what it means to be set apart. This is exactly what it means to be set apart, to do those hard things. And this is a forgotten people. Here in the United States, families, still by and large, are not feel feel or made welcome inside their local church. And we've got to do better. And we can do it. We can, we can, this is where the Tim Tebow Foundation can really help. Any church that would like to discover this way, we have a virtual network of 10 experts. They're different organizations but we'll for free work with churches to help them build a robust ministry. Well, I want to come back to that. Hey, that's that's if you're a church and you want to learn how to minister to people with special needs and set up that in your church, then go to the timtebowfoundation.org. We're going to come back with more from Steve Biondo on SWAT Radio. We'll be right back. This program has the potential to reach millions of men each week. 
If you'd like to learn how you can support this unique program that is helping men understand the truth about Jesus through God's Word and how to impact their lives and the lives of others, then go to www.swatradio.com. Then click on the donate link to help SWAT Radio pass on the truth for the next generation. We're so grateful for having people like Tom Neal Truck Company sponsoring SWAT Radio. Tom Neal Truck Company is located at 417 Edgewood Avenue South in Jacksonville, Florida. Tom Neal is a full-service franchise truck dealer for Freightliner, Western Star, Volvo, Isuzu, and Sprinter vans offering new and used truck sales, service, parts and truck rental and leasing to the North Florida and South Georgia truck market. More information on Tom Neal Truck Company is located at www.tomneal.com. That's www.tomnehl.com. If you've been walking the same old road for miles and miles, if you've been hearing the same old voice at the same old lies, if you're trying to feel the same old holes inside, there's a better life. There's a better life. If you got pain, he's a pain taker. If you feel lost, he's a way maker. If you need freedom, save it. He's a prison shaker. Chains. He's a chain breaker. We've all searched for the light of day in the dead of night. We've all found ourselves worn out from the same old fire. We've all run to things we know just ain't right. And there's a better life. There's a better life If you got pain He's a pain taker If you feel lost He's a way maker If you need freedom Hey, uh, Doug McCary, welcome back. I'm sorry I was talking to uh, Steve. I get We're just so fired up about uh, what we're talking about and... Um, this this thing with special needs kids it's such a big need within i think the church community in our country because steve you were sharing with me by the way steve is steve biondo steve is the president of tim tebow foundation they what we were talking about before we went to our break was that if you are a church and you have nothing right now to help people with special needs and you would like to have more resources or help in that regard you can go to tim org and contact them yes. send an email or call them and steve said they that's what one of the things they're doing and they they do a lot and you know steve we're gonna have to have you back because <laughs> we hadn't even got into the human trafficking uh camp you know up in the, the camp for right. families the strong family stuff there's so much but i think this is a really important issue mm-hmm. And you were sharing about the Navajo because yeah, you, so were, you were you uh, were talking about how you work with them. Tell us what they did with kids with Down syndrome. Yeah, this is a story that was told to me by a pastor on the Navajo Nation. He's been serving there for a long time. And we were just talking about special needs. Actually, 
the Navajo community out there where we are serving, they host Night to Shine on the Navajo Nation. Uh, and it's beautiful, and it's the only celebration of people with special needs today on the Navajo Nation. He was just recounting with me. He said, today we are the only community here in the Navajo Nation that celebrates people with Down syndrome and special needs. He said, but I know of the story that in times past, the Navajo leaders, when a child was born in the tribe who had Down syndrome at an age of 12, I think it was an age of accountability within the tribe, but at the age of 12 or 13 or 14, they would make that child a co-chief because that child brought joy, a new perspective, and a healthy point of view on life. Now, they didn't let the child run the tribe, of course, but the co-chief is pretty great. And that's what we need to be doing is we need to be celebrating these precious lives. We need to be teaching through how we serve them, how we come alongside families, that these are image bearers. And you know what? Mm-hmm. I think I think image bearer is not even understood in the church. <laughs> yeah, that's That's true. a great teaching we not need to get into, but image bearing has nothing to do with our physical form. Not a thing. Mm-hmm. How could it be? Because God has no body. He is spirit. Um, but we put so much emphasis on what people look like, what they're shaped like, and their physical formation. But it has nothing to do with image bearing. And the primary attribute of being an image bearer is your eternal. I mean, there's so many more things. There's a list of like 25 things. But they're eternal beings, and they need to be held as precious always. And so what we have created at, at the, the Tim Tebow Foundation is an opportunity for churches to be supported in going and be, being prepared to serve families who have children with special needs. We call that Shine On. We have staff who are dedicated to this. We have people who are experts. And then we've organized a complete coalition of 10 different ministries, all very expert in their field. And we will surround that church first by building a strategy and then by giving you the necessary resources for free to help you execute step by step by step the programs, initiatives, and education you you deem best for your, your local community. So if you're listening out there and, A, you have a special needs child, B, you know somebody with a special needs uh-huh. child, or, or you're a leader in a local church, or you know a leader in a local church, tell them about this. This is such a needed ministry mm-hmm. within the local churches because, like you said, it is a forgotten area. It is. And and these children are precious. I think of Chuck, uh, you know, Chuck Peterman is a pastor out at Creekside Christian, which is a church over off 210. And one of the one time they allowed a young man with Down syndrome to come up and help lead in worship. And it was the most beautiful thing to they invited him up because he loved this particular song they were going to do that Sunday. And they knew that. <laughs> and he always kind of sang up toward the front. And they had prearranged for him to come help lead the congregation, and and you talk you. I wish you could have seen his expression, yeah. how much that empowered him, mm. because what a lot of people think is these children who have Down syndrome, they think they can't feel or they don't understand <sighs> the way people look at them or the way people treat them. Oh man, they are they are very smart. Mm-hmm. A lot smarter than you think. Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, we've learned this with our daughters, you know, as we work through things. And, you know, my daughters, I get in my truck every morning, uh, a lot of mornings, to take my daughters to their bus stop to go to the special needs school. And when I get in, my 11-year-old will go, Shema, because we say the Shema every morning. And, And you know what? And I say it to them sometimes in Hebrew, and they repeat it after me. 
and they wow. they are they know it man and and i mean i think jesus did that every day and if they're doing that mm-hmm. they love that and you know we get in the bed and they my daughter abby who didn't speak that much she says that and i think we discount these people so mm-hmm. much who have one extra chromosome and i appreciate even last night at the convention they had a mom stand up who talked about her child that she was told to abort mm-hmm. you know and he's a child with down syndrome and he actually got to meet the president and got to do i mean so these children mm-hmm. are precious and they are image bearers not just the physicality no, no, but the soul the soul they are creative and they are people of joy they're volitional they have the um, capacity to give, to serve. They have the ability to generate faith and a faith decision for Jesus Christ. And that's so key, and we forget that, that they also can enjoy a personal and eternal relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm. Um, and so we just got to be – It's not, you know, pastors are always looking for object lessons. Man, celebrate people with special needs in your worship service. Have them a part of your worship service. You want an object lesson that teaches image bearing, teaches that we are, this is a, this is a welcome place for all people of all types of all ages. Do these things. These are the things that are bold, but they also are the essential things that teach us that we are set apart. We are different. We are a holy people and a royal priesthood. And what, you know, and we can learn, you actually can learn from watching the uninhibited worship of a child with Down syndrome. Chris and I gave... You ever hear of bang sticks? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we gave bang sticks to a to ministry friend of ours back in Michigan, Benjamin's Hope. And, uh, man, they said that those were the – everybody, all the kiddos, because they have a whole service just around the kids with special needs. And the bang sticks were their new worship tool. Yeah. <laughs> well, our daughter has a tambourine, and she likes to take that tambourine and Let's she'll go. go. Well, I know we we talked much more about that probably than we had planned, but I, I just felt it was important and – do you have any big dates coming up, like events or anything coming up in the next couple of months in the fall for uh, the Tim Tebow Foundation? Yeah, I mean, we we are in the middle of planning for Night to Shine uh, 2021, which is going to be on Friday, uh, I think it's February 12th. So it's in February, yeah, right? Yeah, it's in February. Yeah, all the events in the fall are right now being rethought. Well, because uh, of COVID? Because of COVID. Our population is so vulnerable that we have to be we – are, we are not – afraid of COVID. We are actually very courageous, but we have a population that is high risk. risk. So because of that, we have to do the prudent, wise, loving thing, and that is to be so careful. So we're moving some of our November events around a little bit and doing things more virtually. So right now our big campaign is the online event where we're raising funds for our, our, our bold fight in the anti-human trafficking space. And is there info about that on the yeah, website? It's a huge, yeah, huge piece of data is there on the website and uh, we have a, it's a three pronged strategy, prevention, rescue, and then restoration. And we have tactics in every one of those areas, but we, we need help. And we're going to deploy a lot of the dollars right here in Jacksonville. Um, yeah, human it, trafficking is an issue here. It, it is. And most people are not aware of that. Um, if you go to the Tim Tebow foundation website and you go to ministries underneath, they have special needs ministries. They have orphan care. They have children with profound medical needs. They have anti-human trafficking. That's the the need he was just sharing yeah. about. Click on that anti-human trafficking to learn more about that. The Tim Tebow foundation is very involved in orphan care and helping families with uh, financial needs. My wife and I adopted five children from China. We did not have 
a dime to do that. Most what I would consider middle income or middle uh, class families in this country do not have twenty to thirty thousand dollars, sometimes forty, depending upon which country, to adopt children, and it's not the children's fault. And so Tim Tebow, uh, through the foundation as well as others, have stepped up to help. And I appreciate so much mm-hmm. y'all's involvement in the orphan care. It obviously has a special place mm-hmm. to us. We're all in. So, so you guys can go there. If you want to give to the Tim Tebow Foundation for trafficking, uh, fighting trafficking, you can just go to donate. And I'm sure there's a comment section, right? They oh, yeah. can d- designate just direct that. Direct it, yep. Yeah. If they're passionate about orphan care, anti-human trafficking, special needs, or children with profound medical needs, they can just direct those dollars. And we all, it's just so everybody knows, 100% of their donation goes to Life on Life Impact. All the administrative costs, salaries, and lights, all of that are paid for by generous, generous donors. Uh, so any donation that anybody would make goes 100% to, to, to loving on people. 100% goes to exactly what you designate it towards. There's no administrative funds taken out. That's a great thing, and it's very rare. So thank you, Steve. Thanks. It's hard to believe that an hour's over, but thank you, Chris. (laughs) Thank you for being here as a silent witness back there. Uh, I saw you affirming him a lot with a lot of head shakes, but uh, so glad. I hope I can get you back in here, you know, to talk about things, especially as we get later into the fall. Uh, maybe some updates on the mm-hmm. tra- anti-trafficking and even the camp up we'll in Pocono. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hey, you've been listening to SWAT Radio. We'll be back tomorrow. Uh, Dave uh, Gray will be in with me, and we'll be talking about servanthood and what we've been talking about all week. And I hope you'll join us. If you missed this or any past program, you can go to www.swatradio.com and just look on that. And if you would like to be a sponsor, just uh, click, uh, go to uh, donate on our www.swatradio link. We'll be back tomorrow with more SWAT Radio. Have a great evening. If you missed a SWAT Radio broadcast this week and would like to hear any show in its entirety, then go to SWATradio.com. Click on Past Shows, where you can listen to the broadcast. Also, if you're looking for a band of brothers that gather around God's Word to be a part of, then go to SWATradio.com and email one of our hosts, and they can get you plugged in to one of the local SWAT Bible studies. Tune in next time to explore how SWAT Radio is strengthening spiritual.